Welcome to the Vanguard Church Podcast. You're about to hear a sermon from Vanguard Church Central in the heart of Colorado Springs. With every message, it's our prayer that you hear and learn how to live out your faith in real relationship with Jesus and with others. May your faith be strengthened, your hope increased, and your heart inspired to live for Jesus no matter the cost. Stay tuned. Thanks for listening. And today, we're going to continue in our oracle series in the book of Micah. And I want to ask you a question. I want you to think about this in your life. Have you ever had a time in your life where you had to deal with a person in your life, or people for that matter, that should have been godlier than you, And maybe at some point they were, maybe they were your mentor, maybe they discipled you, maybe they were your spiritual leader in some capacity, but now you've reached a point where you don't know what to do because they have fallen to the wayside. And someone that should be godlier than you, you're trying to figure out how do I deal with that person in my life. Well, what's interesting about Micah during his time when he lived on the face of the earth is that God's leaders had become more ungodly than the ungodly world that they were all living in. And it was a sad commentary on the people of God Because the people of God were looking to the leaders of God. And the leaders of God, are you ready? Were using their positions to gain selfish benefit from their leadership over God's people. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. I want to invite you to take your program, your Bible, or your internet device And we're going to talk about a subject today entitled Justice Reigns. Wherever you look in the world today, I am sure that you see injustices. And I want you to understand something about God. God is an extremely patient God. God sees all the injustices that you see, and by the way, He sees injustices you don't see. And God is at work in every unjust, unjust situation in the world, and he is bringing about good and his glory out of it at his appointed time. And so I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you to be patient. Now, I've been reading this little devotional called The Jesus Calling. It's by a woman named Sarah Young. And I want to read you just a little bit, and these are very short, but I want to read you today's devotional, and I want you to listen to these words. You have been on a long uphill journey, and your energy is almost spent. Though you have faltered at times, you've not let go of my hands. God is talking there. I am pleased with your desire to stay close to me. There is one thing, however, that displeases me, your tendency to complain. 
you may talk to me as much as you like about the difficulty of the path that we are on together. I understand better than anyone else the stresses and strains that have afflicted you. You can ventilate safely to me because talking with me tempers your thoughts and helps you see things from my perspective. Complaining to others, however, is another matter altogether. It opens the door to deadly sins such as self-pity and rage. And whenever you're tempted to grumble, come to me and let's talk it out. As you open up to me, I will put my thoughts in your mind, in my song, in your heart. Amen? I don't know. Did anyone over here? Amen? Anybody over here? Amen. All right. Just, just checking. I, did, I got a lot of amens right here. So, What are God's prophetic revelations to us about speaking justice on behalf of others? What are God's prophetic revelations to us about speaking justice on behalf of others? Look at Micah chapter 3, verse 1. And I said here, you heads of Jacob and rulers of house of Israel, is it not for you to know justice? Now, let me say it another way. If anyone should know justice, shouldn't it be the pastors, the leaders that are supposed to be leading over God's house and God's people? Shouldn't I understand, and, and basically he's saying rulers of the house of Israel, shouldn't I as a pastor, shouldn't I understand how important justice is to God? Well, of course I should. But the reality is, and we're going to see this in the passage, the people of God were being cannibalized by the leaders of God. Now, what do I mean by that? The people of God were being cannibalized by the leaders of God because the leaders of God were consuming the people of God, what they were bringing to them for their own selfish gain. So they looked at the people that followed them as their commodity to prop them up, to make them feel and to provide for them what made them feel what they wanted to feel with their lives. And therefore, what they did was they took bribes to determine justice. So, in God's house, whoever had enough money got to decide what truth was. Now, I know that doesn't sound familiar in America. I get that. We find ourselves as a people of God at a moment very similar to what Micah went through as a people of God. The leaders of God's house have become ungodlier than the ungodly world that we're supposed to be reaching. So prophetic revelation number one, God requires confrontation with leaders presumed godly. I want to give that to you again. God requires confrontation with leaders presumed godly. 
God may require you to confront a godly leader in your life. And you don't want to do this. You don't want to have to wrestle with it. You don't want to have to go there. You have great respect for that person. But the reality is you are aware of something. And anything that you are aware of, you've got to decide if you're going to do anything with it. When I was in seminary at Dallas Theological Seminary back in the mid-90s, one of my favorite Bible teachers was a guy by the name of Pastor Tommy Nelson, who still to this day pastors Denton Bible Church. Well, this past week in the news, it came out that this church and under Tommy's leadership back in the 90s when I was a student at Dallas Theological Seminary, they had a youth pastor that prayed on the boys and the girls in the youth group. Now, if you have a student in this church, I hope you're listening to me, okay? This should really matter to you. It should matter to all of us, but it should really matter to you if you have a student. They had a youth pastor that preyed on students, so they fired him. But they didn't tell anybody else. And so he drove to Arkansas Fellowship Bible Church and became their youth pastor. And they didn't feel the need to tell anybody. See, when injustice happens, we have to be honest about leaders who have committed that injustice. Victims have to be our priority. And so what happened was there were people, and now that, and if I had a dollar, you've heard this story so many times now, you're tired of hearing it, I understand. But listen to me, God is purifying his church. And he is beginning with the leaders who are supposed to be focused on, on helping others, but instead they're cannibalizing people for their own selfish, sinful gain. And what comes out in every one of these stories are key people who said, I knew something wasn't right, but I just didn't have the courage to say anything. And you go, well, how did you know something wasn't right? Well, because I saw some things weren't right. Listen, God has given you two eyes. He's given you two ears. You are a leader with everything you're aware of. Don't look the other way. Don't turn the other way. Don't think to yourself, somebody else will take care of that. Somebody else I'm sure knows. Somebody, no, no. What happens is when you think somebody else knows and you abdicate the authority that God has given you, you say, what authority? The authority to know things. When you know something, you've got to do something about it. You've got to care enough about the souls and the hearts and the lives and the purity and the peace of other people's lives that you're willing to put yourself in harm's way to deal with a particular issue that will be repeated over and over and over again. Just because someone else sins doesn't mean you don't have any responsibility to that person's sin. See, as when leaders sin, we as churches have a responsibility to hold them accountable so that they can be restored just like everybody else. 
And so I want to encourage you. It's never fun to expose the sin of a leader. And it should never be fun, by the way. If it is, there's something wrong with you. You should never take any joy in that. But at the same time, we have a responsibility to protect those that have been entrusted to us. And I find it very interesting that when you get into these conversations, I said to a pastor one time, I said, do you understand that this person's continuing to do these things? And you go, yeah, but none of those people go to my church. What? See, that's the problem. Pastors think their churches are theirs. This is not my church. Vanguard is not my church. I'm just the senior pastor of it. One day I'm going to die. One day I'm not going to be the senior pastor. Somebody else is going to be. And I have a response. This is God's house. These are God's houses. This is Jesus' houses of worship. And we have a responsibility to understand that Jesus died so people can experience the only hope that there is. And we have to defend that hope in people's lives. Amen? So, do you know what the leaders were doing? It's a very, very simple thing they were doing. They were taking bribes from people to determine what justice would be under their leadership. And so if you had enough money, the highest bidder got to decide what truth was. And see, eventually, God is going to address that in each organization and in each person's lives, because God expects us to expose injustices that are in our camp. Verse 2, you hate the good and love the evil. Wow, that's indicting. He's talking about the people that are supposed to be protecting the houses of God, who tear the skin from off my people. Now, he's speaking metaphorically here, and I'll explain that. Their flesh from off their bones, who eat the flesh of my people, they flay their skin from off them and break their bones in pieces and chop them up like meat in a pot, like flesh in a cauldron. He's speaking metaphorically here, saying, my leaders are cannibalizing my own people. The people they're supposed to be willing to sacrifice their life for, they are actually consuming them for their own benefit. You know, sometimes pastors, and I, and I do this too, sometimes we pastors complain. You know what we complain about? Well, we're, you know, we're supposed to be a shepherd, and you all are the sheep, right? And, but here's the thing, sheep bite. And sometimes we shepherds complain to God about sheep biting us. And God has to say back to us, like he said in the book of Zephaniah, do you know where I got these wounds? Where, God? In the house of my friends. That's what a shepherd is. I had someone come up to me after the nine o'clock service. He said, you know, it's funny that you tell that story because he said, when I was younger, I had this uh, lamb that I had to feed because it it was too dumb to nurse on its own. So I nursed it and I helped it get to adulthood as a sheep. And he said, and every time you would turn your back on that sheep, he would ram you. I said, oh, that sounds like ministry to me. (laughs) If you serve people, people at times are going to hurt your feelings when you serve them. 
And if no one ever hurts your feelings when you're serving other people, you must not be doing a very good job of serving people because you must not really care. See, when your child says really mean things to you, moms and dads, it hurts, doesn't it? You want to know why it hurts? Because you love the child and it's very hurtful for them to say hurtful things to you. You want to know if you're a good shepherd when the sheep bite you, it should hurt because you love the sheep. You care for the sheep. So prophetic revelation number two, confront leaders who cannibalize those they lead. Confront leaders who cannibalize those they lead. If you think you're a leader, but you don't care what the people you lead think, you're not a very good leader. Do you understand that? That doesn't mean that what people think dictates how you lead. That's a different conversation. But if you don't care what the people you lead, in your home, for instance, your spiritual leadership in your home, if you don't care what the people in your home think about you as you lead, there's something wrong with you. If you go to work and you lead in some capacity and you don't care what the people you lead think about you, there's something wrong with you. If you come to church and lead a Bible study or lead whatever uh, in the community or a civic environment and you don't care what the people, there's something wrong with you. You should care what people think about your leadership because what they think is going to dictate how you lead them, and whether you have an effective capacity to lead. Look at verse 4. Now, then they will cry to the Lord, but he'll not answer. He'll hide his face from them at the time because they've made their deeds evil. Now, let me stop here a second. We as leaders want God's direction, but to get God's direction, we have to care about how we treat people. And how we treat people dictates whether God's going to talk to us or not. You go, really? Let me illustrate. Men, you may not know this. 1 Peter chapter 3 says that how you treat your wife will determine whether God hears your prayers. And if you mistreat your wife, God's not going to listen to any prayer you pray until you go back and say, honey, sorry. What'd you say? I'm sorry. That's how seriously God takes spiritual leadership in the home. If you want God to listen, you go, well, you know, well, why isn't God blessing my business? Well, I don't know how you treat your wife. Well, what does that have anything to do with anything? Uh, as far as God's concerned, it has everything to do with it. Your struggle financially may easily be resolved by your mistreatment of your spouse. And maybe you need to start there today. See, God takes seriously how we treat one another and how we treat one another determines whether or not he's going to listen to our prayers. It's really, really important. He's, and you might say, well, I wish God come down here and live on them. He can see what it's like. He did. His name is Jesus. And he died so that we might live. Trust me, he's got the resume to tell you what to do. He's got the resume. So 
Look at what happens to Saul in 1 Samuel 28, 5, because this same thing happened to him. Saul saw the army of the Philistines. He was afraid. And his heart trembled greatly. And when Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord did not answer him, either by dreams or by Urim or by prophets. Why is that? Because Saul had stopped listening and how he treated people and how he treated God. He had stopped listening. He just wanted God to tell him what to do so he could be successful. And I really do believe that that the American church has kind of become that. We don't really care how we treat each other. We don't really care what God has to say. We just want God to tell us what we need to know so we can be successful. And God's not going to do that. God's going to withdraw his voice to get our attention because he wants us to understand that we represent him. We don't have the power and we don't have the authority, but we are stewards of the authority that he's entrusted to us. So prophetic revelation number three, we're only stewards for God's authority. So how are you using it? We're stewards. How are you stewarding the authority in your home with your kids, uh, in your marriage, with your neighbors, with your coworkers? You know, if you own a business, how are you treating the people you're responsible for? Are you stepping back and thinking about the fact that, you ready? As a business owner, When it comes to monetary gain, you stand in the place of God and you are giving to them earthly mammon that God has entrusted to you and it's important that you make sure that you're treating them the way they should be treated. You go, well, how's that? How would you like to be treated? You go, well, you know, I can't do that. I don't have that much money. (laughs) You want to treat people the way you want to be treated. And that will solve just about all of our problems, quite honestly. Matthew 28, 18. Jesus said to them, the disciples, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go therefore make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Do you understand that you represent God's authority on this earth? That God wants us to steward levels of authority and bless other people's lives, especially those that have no voice and can't do it for themselves. So where in your life, not telling you what flavor, but where in your life, Have you said, Lord, you've called me to represent this group, this individual, this person, this situation, because without my voice, they have no voice. Where in your life do you do that? Where in your life do you step up, take a risk that'll cost you something, and you will not benefit at all from it, but somebody else will be greatly blessed by it? Where in your life do you do that? You go, well, I don't. I don't want to be bothered with that kind of stuff. Then you don't want to be bothered with the heart of God because that's who God is. The heart of God is bothered for people that cannot do anything about something in their life. And you are the closest to the heart of God when you begin to care for those that don't have a voice unless you lend them your voice. And so where do you do that 
in the world? Where are you representing God's authority on this earth? You say, well, why is that important? Because that's what produces disciples for Jesus. That's what produces disciples for Jesus. And by the way, we're not here to make disciples of us. We're here to make disciples of Jesus. That's what he tells us in this passage. So look at verse 5. Thus says the Lord concerning the prophets who lead my people astray. They cry peace when they have something to eat, but they declare war against him who puts nothing into their mouths. Isn't that interesting? I want to read that again. Thus says the Lord concerning the prophets who lead my people astray, who cry peace when they have something to eat, but declare war against him who puts nothing into their mouths. What he's saying is the prophets of God were looking out for themselves and they were serving for money. It was all about money. Verse six, therefore, it shall be night to you without vision, darkness to you without divination. The sun shall go down on the prophets and the day shall be black over them. The seers shall be disgraced and the diviners put to shame. They shall all cover their lips for there is no answer from God. So here's prophetic revelation number four. God ceases visions when we cease seeking him. God ceases visions when we cease seeking him. So if God's not speaking to you, then you should ask yourself this question. Where in my life am I not seeking him? Well, I want him to tell me this. Well, of course you do, because you want to succeed. And God wants you to succeed, but he doesn't want you to succeed at the expense of your soul and the souls of other people. So where in your life are you asking God to speak? You're frustrated because he's not talking to you and you need to step back today and you need to say, Lord, where in my life are you trying to talk to me and I'm not listening? I'm not listening. Maybe there's somebody in your life that you've mistreated and you don't want to take ownership of it. You don't want to admit that you contributed in some capacity because you feel so guilty. Because No, stop feeling guilty and just take ownership and say, you know what, God, I'm going to go back to this individual and I'm going to say, you deserve better. You deserve better. You deserve better. See, we don't treat our spouses well in our marriages because they're just so lovely to be with all the time. No? Be nice, that's right. We, we treat our spouses with love and compassion because we represent the hands and feet of Christ in each other's lives. And God has brought us together to build a unity for a family. Listen to me. All of our societal problems can be solved by reuniting the family the way it was intended to be reunited. Right here in our city, and I hate to be a Debbie Downer, and if your name's Debbie, forgive me. Because someone came up to me one time, like, why does Debbie always have to be the downer? I don't know, it just fits. Right here in our city, at the Air Force Academy, 
They're teaching the cadets not to call mom, mom, and not to call dad, dad, but to call them supporter one and supporter two. Huh. And then we want to send them into war to die for us? Is that right? Because they respect authority and they understand what it means to sacrifice? Oh, yeah, those principles. They won't be there either, by the way. What in the world are we doing? We're raising up a military that doesn't understand the value of respecting authority. Do you know why we have a military? So that we can protect our country and go to war when needed to. You go, I hate war. Okay. Do you hate this country? No, I love this country. People died so you could have this country. Right? And we're living in a society that we're deconstructing everything that has anything to do with any semblance of respect for authority. And where are we going to be at the end of this conversation? We have a responsibility to step into the gap and understand that we represent the authority of God on this earth. Look at verse 8. But as for me, now what Micah's going to do is he's now going to say, I've told you about the, those leaders, but I want to tell you about me now, Micah says. I'm filled with power, with the Spirit of the Lord. You go, well, that sounds kind of arrogant. No, 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 this, no, 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 no. What he's saying is, you don't understand. If you see anything good about me, that's the Lord. That's the Lord. I've been filled with the power of the Lord Almighty and with justice and might to declare to Jacob his transgression and to Israel his sin. Do you understand the correlation here? If we, and I even watch this with pastors, pastors who fail morally, they go, well, I made a mistake. No, you didn't make a mistake. You sinned. We can't say that word anymore in our society. I, even in church, we can't say it because we feel so bad about ourselves all the time. Listen, what Micah is saying is, I'm filled with the power and the spirit of the Lord because I continue to address sin in the marketplace and in God's house, and I understand that that's part of becoming who God has created us to be. He says, who detests justice, and I'm sorry, verse 9, hear this, you heads of the house of Jacob and rulers of the house of Israel, who detest justice and make crooked all that is straight who build Zion with blood and Jerusalem with iniquity. Iniquity is another word for sin. And then it says its heads, its leaders, give judgment for a bribe. There it is. Its priests teach for a price. Its prophets practice divination for money. Yet they lean on the Lord and say, is not the Lord in the midst of us? No disaster shall come upon us. See, truth was sold to the highest bidder and then the highest bidder gets to decide what truth is. And that's the problem that we've had in the church. See, we've got people in power who have done things they shouldn't have done, but because they're so powerful and the church is afraid that it's going to lose its money, it won't step up and actually speak truth about what has actually gone on. And because of that, God is going to have to do something about it. And God will. And God does. 
in order to get his people's attention to come back and understand that we do not serve the Lord for money. We serve the Lord for justice, for people who cannot and don't have a voice for themselves. And so listen to me. I might, you know, get up to preach and go, I want to be careful if I say that. I might not have a job. And what I'm saying is that I wouldn't have money, then I wouldn't be able to pay my bills, so I should probably be quiet. Mm -mm. The Lord says, no, don't be quiet. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. He says, if you're quiet, I'll have the rocks cry out. Huh. But you know as well as I do, as somebody came up to me after the 9 o'clock service, they said, you know what? It is very difficult to speak the name of God, and especially Jesus in the workplace now. And he said, and I've thought a lot about the fact that if I did that, I might lose my job, and I don't want to lose my job. But he said, I know that God's been talking to me about the fact that I should be building relationships with the people that that I'm in relationship with, and when opportunity presents itself, I should share what Jesus has done in my life. I should share what God has done in my life, but I'm so afraid. Uh, I, I need this job, and I don't want to lose my job. And see, by the way, you can, you can celebrate anything but Jesus. Matter of fact, you might even get a raise if you celebrate anything but Jesus. But the moment you celebrate Jesus, and so what are you living for? You living to pay your bills? Or are you living to be a voice of justice on behalf of God for others who have no voice? See, the prophets, the priests, in Micah's day, they liked a paycheck. Don't we all? Don't we all like a paycheck? Don't you like when, you know, online it says, you're getting paid today. I mean, you're like, ooh, this is a great day, right? But is that what we're living for? Is that what this church is living for, for money? Is that all this is about? Look at what Matthew 6, 24 says. No one can serve two masters, for either he'll hate the one and love the other, he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You can't serve God and money. So which are you serving? You can't serve God. Which one is this church serving? You can't serve God and money. Prophetic revelation number five. The truth of God's justice isn't for sale. The truth of God's justice isn't for sale. Serving for money instead of justice is what the people were doing, the leaders were doing in Micah's day. So look at verse 12. Therefore, because they were doing this, because of you, Zion, shall be plowed as a field, Jerusalem shall become a heap of ruins, and the mountain of the house a wooded height. So I read verse 12, and I was like, okay, here comes the... Here comes The result, the judgment of God because they uh, made money more important to them than justice for people who didn't have a voice. And so I read verse 12 and I go, I have no idea what that means. So let's read it again. Zion shall be plowed as a field. Okay, I get that part from my farming days. Jerusalem shall become a heap of ruins. I sort of get that. And the mountain of the house a wooded height. And I'm like, I'm sorry, Lord, I don't get it. I don't get it. 
And so I had to look up these phrases. Okay. Now I'm going to put the cookies on the bottom shelf as a Kentucky boy. I don't know what's going on on stage. All right. Hopefully I'm not going to get blown off the stage here. Um, does anybody know what a thicket is? Anybody? Jason, what's a thicket? It's so thick you can't do any. What does that mean? You can't grow anything, therefore you can't what? If a farmer can't grow anything, he can't, he can't harvest anything. And if he can't harvest anything, he can't. Thank you. He can't make money. Ah, so here's what the Lord says to his people. Since you've sold my justice to the highest bidder, because money's so important to you, I'm going to take away your ability to make money, to get your attention, to let you know that every good and perfect gift comes from me alone. And if you want to skew justice for money's sake, then you are going to reap. You ready? If you sell justice, you're going to reap poverty. If you sell justice, if you stop taking risk for people who can't take them for themselves, and because money is so important to you, I am going to take away your ability to make money. So prophetic revelation number six. Let me stop here just a second. What would you do if God took away your ability to make money today? What would you do with your life? And what would you think about yourself if you had no capacity to earn money at all? Think about that. Prophetic revelation number six, justice sold is divine monetary destruction bought. Justice sold is divine monetary destruction bought. If you sell justice, you buy divine monetary judgment. Use your authority to establish God's justice. And here's the kicker no matter what it costs. God wants this church to establish justice for those that can't establish it for themselves, no matter what it costs us financially. That is God's calling on this church. That is God's calling on your life. That you cannot look the other way because you don't want your finances harmed by the people that you need to help. Does that make sense? And so who in your life has God brought into your purview? What has God revealed to you? What has God shown you? 
Do you know why God has shown you and revealed to you what he has? Because he's trying to to get you. Like this static in the background here. can, Can you all hear that? There's static in all of our lives. Ignore it. And do what God has called you to do, regardless of what it costs you. That's his calling on our lives. Amen? Amen. You're like, I don't, this group's still not sure. Amen? Amen. All right. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, there are people that are going to cross our paths in the days ahead, and they've already crossed our paths, but they're going to cross our paths again. And we're going to have opportunity to help them. And we're going to be afraid. Because if we do, what's this person going to think? Or if I press in and confront this, what's that going to cost me here? Those are very real questions. Lord, I just pray that you would speak to us right now. I pray that you would make clear to us what it is you want each of us to do. And then you would give us the courage to do it. For some of us, it may be right in our own homes where we need to deal with some things today. For others of us, it may be in the workplace, the marketplace. For others of us, it could be in the church context. Give us wisdom. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's children said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thanks for listening to the Vanguard Central Podcast. We encourage you to go out and live your faith in real relationship with Jesus and with others. God bless you, friend. See you next time.